0: everybody que golazo time MLS Cup time we have a full preview beginning with a one-on-one with Columbus crew forward Jassy Sardis uh, a disclaimer, I chatted to a Jussie uh, before the Thursday night news uh, regarding Darlington, Nagby and Pedro Santos. But it's still a fantastic interview uh, regarding the final, uh, his views on it and much more. And we have Heath Pierce and Jimmy Conrad to break down everything as we look ahead to the 25th MLS Cup final Saturday night, 830 Eastern. Stay right here because Jesse Sardi's interview followed by our preview begins right now. Joining us now on Gego Lasso CBS Sports Digital is Columbus Cruz Jazzy Sardes, who arrived at the club in 2018 after a trade with the LA Galaxy. And I bet, boy, the LA Galaxy is ruining this one. Sardes is a major focus. For Caleb Porter's side. And honestly, he's sneakily one of the most underrated big time forces in MLS. Last three years, 44 regular season goals only behind Joseph Martinez, Slatan, Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi. That's quite a group there to be with. He is the first player to lead Columbus in scoring in three consecutive years. And in the conference semis uh, semis this season against Nashville, he delivered the game-winning assist and scored his second goal of the postseason. And after beating New England, now it's a date against Seattle Sounders in MLS Cup and the chance to win the trophy for the club for the first time since 2008. Jesse, welcome to Kego Lasso, and congrats on making MLS Cup. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. I'm so excited to have you. Let's get straight to it. Let's talk about this game against Seattle, Jesse, seeking their third MLS Cup in five years. But Columbus and you stand in the way. How are you approaching this game? What's your mentality heading into this one?
1: Yeah, so like you said, our mentality, you know, we have to be as confident as possible. We're playing here in Columbus on our home field. And also, you know, we're really digging into video clips to better prepare us for this big match against the Seattle Sounders.
0: There are two things there that you said that interest me. One is um, you being at home. Do you see that as an advantage, or are you trying to ignore the fact that you're in familiar surroundings?
1: Yeah, no. Um, you know, being home, it, it reduces the likelihood of us traveling across the country. You know, so we're able to, to stay in our home environment. But also, you know, we have an opportunity to play in front of our amazing fans in our in our amazing city so um and we've been a very good team at home as well so that's why you know i bring up playing at home
0: (laughs) yeah no absolutely do you think um you're going to try and not let emotion get in the way i don't know how you personally deal with that on on the pitch some players uh, consume it other players try and ignore it how do you see it especially as this might be well it is really the last hurrah before your new stadium downtown
1: yeah, you know, um, I, for myself, you know, I try not to get too emotional. Um, I'm I'm determined. I I stick to whatever the game plan is, and I I focus on that. You know, um, I know, you know, things may not go our way, but um, like throughout the game. But that's the that's that's the beautiful effect of soccer. You know, things are up and down, but at the same time, um, I'm very confident that you know we'll get the job done this weekend.
0: Yeah, listen, Caleb Porter after the win against the refs, he said that um. You know, this success of this team, of your team, is essentially down to two things: belief and balance. Would you agree with that? Is there anything else that you would add? Belief and balance.
1: Yeah, no, no, I, I, I 100% um, agree with Caleb. You know, at the beginning of the year, we set goals throughout this year, and we've hit every single goal. We just have one final one, and that's winning MLS Cup. You know, we're we like you say, the balance aspect of it is the 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 um like the balance part of being emotional, you know, once that whistle is blown, we know the first 10 minutes are going to be chaotic. But after that, you know, playing our game and sticking to what we do well, as opposed to getting into a, um, a game that Seattle likes to play, you know?
0: Yeah. Let's talk about uh your team for a second. Because aside from uh belief and balance, Really, it's just been, you know, everything that you have had to go through. Eight players have missed out in the run-up to the final because of COVID. It's just been a tough year for everybody, not just uh, the crew. But can you explain to me just the obstacles that you as a player, as a team you've had, and how winning MLS Cup would feel to you after such a tough year?
1: Yeah, so like you said, you know, once playoffs started, we had – numerous players um you know catch the virus and it's crazy because we've been we've been good the whole year but um this whole country as a whole the virus has just been spiking and sure enough it affected our team but um you know other player names were called and they stepped up big time made big time plays in the games as well which helped us get to where we are today and you know winning an mls cup this year will allow us the chance to leave a legacy this year has been so crazy, um, not just on the soccer field, but even off the soccer field, with everything that's gone on this year. So to be able to have the opportunity to win an MLS Cup will be incredible.
0: Yeah, let me let me dive a little deeper here. If you let me, Jazzy, uh, you know, uh, as a black player, as somebody that obviously understands all too well not just as a player, but as a human being, just everything that this country is going through and has gone through, you know, not just COVID, but the fight against racial injustice and everything so much going on. How have you been able to, or maybe you haven't, uh, balanced, uh, you know, everything off the pitch and on the pitch, how hard, how difficult has it been for you?
1: Yeah. Like you said, you know, um, you know, as, as a black man in America, um, you know, seeing everything that has gone on this year has, has been, uh, you know it's been it's been sad sad it, there was a spell when it was like every month it was like another killing another killing another killing so um you know we in the mls you know the black players who changed um you know I'm I'm thankful that Justin Morrow um kind of set the initiative and, and really um created this group of of you know black athletes within the mls to come together and also discuss like uh multiple topics um and also allow us just to to clear our minds and, and bring up things and ways that we can help change at least the things we can control, you know, change things that that we can um, have an effect in uh, within our communities. So, um, you know, for me, I want to I want to just be an outlet and, and give. Uh, like something for that younger generation of black men to look forward to that are, that are playing this sport, you know? Um, so like you said, you know, it's been a lot of craziness this year and uh, for us just to be able to, 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 to connect with our brothers. Um, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I actually talked to Justin and did a big project with uh Black Place mm-hmm. for Change uh, so I, I too uh understand too well exactly that 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 project. It's it's fantastic to see. All right, let's get back to MLS Cup, Seattle mm-hmm. Sanders, uh listen, uh Jordan Morris, Nicolodeiro, my my compatriot Raul Rudiaz, they're a force, man. They're a force. How, how how do you see this team? Is it to you listen, this is just another opponent that we just have to take care of, or are you looking at them in a different way?
1: Yeah. No, like you said, you know, they're, they're just like the previous teams that we played, you know, um, every team has phenomenal players and, and, and key players at that. And it's the same with Seattle. You know, they have a few key players that we just have to make sure we do our homework on and and and, and get things right on the training field before we, we go into our, our big match against them. But we're viewing them just like any other game. Cause we play every single game. Like it's a championship match.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Listen, uh, you're still a young man, 29 years old. Uh I feel like uh you're such a resilient player. That's something that I think about you all the time, just the way that you just, you know, whatever comes your way, you just do it. Uh Obviously, you know, former crew manager Greg Berhalter with the United States Men's National Team. I still think the number nine spot is up for grabs. I still think you should be part of that conversation. How do you see it uh lo- looking ahead? Do you think that far ahead, especially in
1: 2021? Yeah, so, man, I... I- me personally, I try not to think that far ahead because, you know, I can only control what I can control. And for me, I know if I perform with my club and perform extremely well, um, I know I'll have that opportunity to represent my country. Um, so I just know that if I keep performing here with Columbus, um, I know I'll have a shot to hopefully get called into another camp. And if that happens, um, you know, I'll have an opportunity to fight for that that number nine position.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about uh, Lucas Alayaran. Like when he came to this league, I said, "Listen, everybody's talking about Carlos Vela. Everybody's talking about Rudillas. Listen, watch out for this kid. He is amazing. How's how is he as a teammate?
1: Ah, uh, he's he's incredible, incredible. I mean, the the ball is glued to his foot. I mean, the way he, <laughs> the way he chopped players left and right. Ah, yeah. uh, I, I mean, it, it's it's a joy to to watch him on the field and. And he can pick out any pass he wants, left foot, right foot. I mean, you saw it this past weekend. You know, he chopped the defender twice, crossed it with his left foot, you know, to Jonathan and for Jonathan to set up our tour. Um, it just shows you the type of player Lucas Alarayan is. And he's, I love having the opportunity to share the field with him.
0: How's your relationship with him uh, off the pitch? Uh, uh, is it Uh Are you guys as close as it seems that uh, when you are on it?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. Our, our locker room, our locker room is tight. You know, here in Columbus, uh, we, we, we have each other backs, especially for, uh, the players in our locker room that come from different countries. You know, we try to make them feel at home and, and you know, Luca, he's, he's always have his mate with, uh, with, uh, Milton, you know, which is incredible. Uh, but we try to make him, uh, feel like he's at home.
0: How about you? Are you getting that mate in?
1: Yeah. No, no i mean once once corona once the virus hit um i was just like i don't know i want to pass the drink around yeah yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah let's uh let's
0: here. kill on the sharing right 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 yeah. right.
1: yeah yeah they they love sharing and I, I love that about their culture you know they love to share a lot and that's that's amazing <laughs> yep
0: south americans we like to share mm. how's your spanish yet you, you to espanol are you talking a lot with him on that or no, or is it the yeah, other way around yeah. is, he, is he doing well with his english
1: yeah ah, well, you're
0: from la like you
1: better. exactly yeah but uh but no his english you know he's he's taking english classes and his english is getting extremely good but on the field i, I make sure i speak spanish um as much as possible because i want to i want to make things easier for him you know Um i can speak in english but i just think sometimes it's, it's easier just to talk to him in spanish
0: right talk to me about caleb porter What's he like as a manager? I mean, I know him uh, from a few interviews. He's uh, he's uh really great, but he's also he, – he takes a lot of pride in his work. H- how do you see it?
1: Yeah, like you said, um, he takes a lot of pride in his work. And I, I, one thing I love about uh, Caleb is the psychology um, aspect of things. You know, he's always talking about that and reminding us of the – um, the psychology of the game, you know, having the right mindset and, and setting goals and writing them down. Um, and that's what, that's been one of my, my favorite traits from him because, you know, I've, I've observed and watched him this year set goals for us and we hit every single goal. You know, it's not him just talking about it. We've actually did everything we said we were supposed to do. And, and that's one thing I, I really love about um, him as a coach.
0: How many goals are you scoring this weekend?
1: man i I, i'll take however many however many it takes to to win an mls cup
0: (laughs) and what will your plans be regardless of what happens uh are you looking to take a big long break and relax before preseason comes next year
1: no man uh, i'm probably gonna uh, after after this game maybe take a week off uh, make sure the body's right but man there's no time off for me i want to keep working hard you know next year is huge not only with with MLS, but also, you know, international duty, you know, if your name is called or if the opportunity knocks um, you have to be ready. So um, I plan on, you know, working as much as possible. And, and, you know, like I told somebody else earlier, you know, I know I scored a lot of goals this year, but I'm, I'm never satisfied. I just want to keep working hard and, and keep um, trying to obtain more and more.
0: Yeah, more young players should look at tape of Jesse Sardis, just how much he works, when, especially when he doesn't have the ball. Jesse Sardis and the Columbus crew face Seattle Sounders this Saturday night for MLS Cup. Jesse, the best of luck to you, my man. Uh Hope to see you and speak to you soon, especially maybe as an MLS Cup winner.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Welcome, everybody. Que lasso. That was Jesse Sardis talking to yours truly about MLS Cup Saturday night, 830 Eastern. I'm joined uh, by Jimmy Conrad, Heath Beers. Heath, how are you, buddy?
2: i'm doing good this light in the room today is just slapping so like i feel like i i might switch the view of when i'm looking at you guys to just me so i could just realize that like every once in a while it all comes together you know i'm wearing green so maybe it makes my eyes pop a little bit so
3: like the
0: second here we
2: go can't complain you know
0: hollywood that's why we call him hollywood Hollywood, heat
3: hollywood heat it's coming out
0: it's coming Uh, out jimmy what's up buddy
3: yeah, I'm excited to talk about this game. It's obviously the biggest affair for MLS's season, and and this should be a good one between two very good teams.
0: Absolutely. And uh, let's begin with a little bit of transparency, everybody. Que lasso. We actually taped this episode uh, <laughs> okay. on Thursday. We gave it our all. It was like 150%. We had some stories, anecdotes, analysis, betting info, anything that you needed. And then, boom, came Thursday night uh, news dump where you know Columbus crew's uh, chances of winning this uh, second mls cup in their history really took a hit horrible to to see where the team announced uh, that Darlington Nagbe and Pedro Santos uh, were deemed medically not cleared to play uh and obviously due to the privacy laws uh they can't say that they have covid uh, but we can all pretty much assume uh Exactly what is happening here, where they were clearly uh, medically not to play. And also they added another person uh, testing positive of COVID. So that gives a total of 10 players in the squad since the beginning of the run in the playoffs uh, with Kroon not playing. But Darlington Nagby, Pedro Santos not being available is just such a hit. Let's begin quickly with Jimmy. Uh, both on your thoughts on this, and also how this impacts. I guess uh, you know. Obviously, it's it's not the best to really combine this with betting, but it, it, you know, straight away, just how this impacts the, the club uh, to begin with.
3: It hurts them tremendously. Pedro Santos had six goals and eight assists in the regular season. He's had two goals in the playoffs, including the first one against Nashville in extra time. I mean, he is a guy out on the wings. That makes a difference for them. And without his presence, they're just not as dangerous. And, and that sucks for the other star players on the team, Zardes, uh Zilla Ryan, because now they're going to get more focused. You can you can double those guys in a way that you maybe couldn't before if Nagby and Pedro Santos were on the field. So that's going to hurt them a lot. Then you have Darlington Nagby who can create goals out of thin air. He won the AT&T goal of the year this year with an absolute golazo from popping it up to himself and volleying it from 30 yards out. I mean, the guy is just a special player as well. So their influence is going to be – drastically missed, and what's funny is that William Hill hasn't really Caught on to it from a betting standpoint? I mean, they the Sounders to win straight up was plus 165, and now after this news, they're at plus 140. I guess William Hill doesn't value Pedro Santos and Darlington Nagby the same way that we are. I think that is tremendous value from a, from a betting perspective. If you want both teams to score, which I think will happen, and the Sounders to win, that's plus 330. That is amazing value. And if you want to take it one step further, and I know you like this one, Luis, if Raul Ru- Rui Diaz, the Peruvian striker, scores... And Sounders win, and both teams scores 600. So there's a lot, of, lot of tasty options, a lot of tasty options.
0: That's the one I'm going for. Reduce <laughs> to score, Sounders to win, and uh, both teams to score. Because, again – uh, and we'll get Heath in here in a second. I said it when we taped the first time, I was giving some love to the crew. I thought, you know, they're at home. They're just going to, they're going to want this. The first club, the first MLS cup since 2008. They're going to really want it. And then those news hits. Uh, Heath, your thoughts on, on last night and, and really what it means for the crew.
2: Yeah, uh, Jimmy said it really well there. You know, obviously Santos is part of that three-headed attack, uh, with Zellerian and, and Zardes. And now it changes things, right? When you look on the other side, Jao Paulo now becomes key because he only has to focus on Zellerian. He no longer has to deal with kind of track. He, he, there's a lot less to have to worry about, right? And, and a lot less, uh, you know, when you, when you talk about Nagby as well, just sort of there's, there's, it just changes the whole dynamic, right? You're losing uh, one person who is giving you the flow of the game that dictates the flow of the game that can speed things up, slow things down and really, really control the tempo. And then another one that's, that's so crucial in your attack that not only are you losing attacking options, but now you're allowing the other team Seattle to, to approach the game differently and focus on less, right? They're able to start saying, well, maybe there's an opportunity to dictate a little bit more here instead of having to, see how we're going to mitigate risks and, and stay more balanced.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And listen, like, there's something to be said. You never want any of these players, obviously, to suffer like this. And in fact, the, it's been just a narrative uh, with the league. The announcement on the same day came when uh, the Players Association, uh, the exec director, uh, Bob uh, Bob Foos, announced that almost 20% of the league's players uh, tested positive for COVID-19 at some point during the season. But back to the crew, Jimmy, Darlington Nagby, uh, just offers so much, not just experience, but MLS Cup experience. He's already mm-hmm. won it with the Timbers in 2015, Atlanta United in 2018. And then Pedro Santos, just such a very important part of this crew side. It's just, it's such a hit. I know that we've already said it, but it's just so detrimental, I think.
3: Yeah, and it puts a lot of pressure on uh, Zelo Rayan and, and Jossi Zardes to have to step up and even take on more responsibility I just don't know. I mean, the Sounders do leak goals. It's pretty rare for them to get a clean sheet. I think they have three clean sheets in their last ten or eleven games, so they're going to give up opportunities. It's just a matter of whether the crew can take advantage of those. And obviously, Stefan Fry and goal for the Sounders. I still can't believe he doesn't get the respect he he deserves. He's never won goalkeeper of the year. He's never been called into the U.S. men's national team when he's had the opportunity. Can I, I, I a back
2: tattoo which is really
3: yeah, as well though. that too. I mean, there's all these things that are in, it, in Stefan Fry's favor and he's got the experience of making big saves in MLS cup. Uh It's just, it's, it's a big, big tall order. Now. I think that attack becomes a lot more predictable. I'm curious to see what Caleb Porter is going to do.
0: Well, that despite, was my question. Despite all from- of his,
3: Yeah. Despite all of his passion and enthusiasm as a coach. And before he I really get his, his troops, you know, to play and like run, but that's okay. I mean, they, they I don't, Expect any drop off in terms of energy and, and, and wanting to make plays. But do they have the quality to make the plays when it matters, when the pressure's on in the biggest game now without those players? I, just don't, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Well,
0: well, let me ask both of you this. Heath, let's begin with you. Does the strategy change now? Does the strategy change? Is there more of a different strategy? Do they count? Do they hold and counter more? Do they just do a Bielsa and do you say, screw it, we're just going for it no matter what? What do they do now?
2: Yeah, I think you can't just flip the script going into a final. They've probably got to stay pretty close to plan, but they're going to probably have to put in a homegrown player either either Aiden Morris or Burhalter, um which changes things, right? You're you're going into a final with a homegrown player. Great if if they have the experience and capabilities or or are close to that replacement, you know, when you talk about depth. That's a pretty big drop off for the players that you're losing. And so, I think it, I think it changes their attack. Defensively, uh, I, obviously, I think that, that they're still pretty secure and, and can, and can, uh, not have to change, move away from, from what, you know, sort of the blocks that they're gonna sit in and, and their ability to get behind the ball and, and, and move together. Those types of things, I think, won't take that big of a dip. But in terms of their attacking and their flow and those types of things, the game might be a little more direct. There, m- you might be skipping lines a little bit more. There might be a little bit of a, hey, let's not be afraid to to dump it in the channels and and let the game present itself a little more instead of saying hey we're going to play out of everything we're going to play a very um we're going to dictate the style of play we're going to dictate the tempo because we have all this quality you're now missing two key players that it may be a situation where you're looking at hey take what the game gives you early on be be stay in, stay in your blocks defensively you know really stick to your uh, kind of Stay disciplined, and when the game starts to open up, then then we'll figure out how we can find our moments. But let's not necessarily, um, you know, be exposed or vulnerable from the start. That's at least my take.
0: Yeah, Jimmy, your your thoughts on that? Does Caleb Porter, uh, as Heath mentioned, you can't go too different from what you were already planning when so close to the cup? But is there anything else that you think he will do? Maybe overload that midfield leave Sardis up front by himself. How do you handle this?
3: No, I, I agree with Heath. You know, I'm starting to look through some of the stuff and look through some of the stats. I mean, uh, of the five or six goals that the Columbus crew have scored so far in the playoffs, half of them have been scored by Pedro Santos and Darlington Nagby. And there's a couple assists for those guys in, mixed in there as well for the other goals. I, I Yes, we can talk about these tactics. Again, I think it's just going to come down to making plays. And I think if they can get the game to zero zero. At halftime, and then try to maybe tinker a bit with how you're going to attack and where you try to create your numerical advantages. There's something there. To see Burhalter, Greg Burhalter, the national team coach, his son playing for the team is next level. By the way, it makes me and Heath I think feel pretty old, by the because we were teammates with Greg. But but you know, Luis Diaz would probably come in. Uh, I expect him to start. Mokhtar will be the other on the other side. I mean, these guys are talented players too. It's consistency I worry about. Uh, Luis Diaz is only 22. It's probably one of his biggest matches in his life, and so. This is going to be one to see who who can rise to that. Where you got Seattle, who's on the other side smoking a cigarette. Ah, this is our fourth MLS Cup in the last five years. This is nothing. This is what we do. We eat this for breakfast. You well, know that's and I what just I think was going to say because of all the conversation,
0: of all the conversation, we've all talked about the crew. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Let's move now to Seattle. Who? Let's be honest, Darlington Nagby, Pedro Santos, or not, they're still going. We don't care. We're the rebellious team here. We're, we're ready to do this for our third MLS cup in five years. We have Jordan Morris. We have Raul Rudias, Nico Dolorado. They're, they're here, I guess. And nothing I'm imagining Heath will change from Seattle's perspective.
2: Yeah. And, and the last thing that I, I, I want to say about Columbus and it, and it has to do with Seattle is, is the emotional toll this takes on the players, right? For sure. And, and anytime you've been into a big game, you know, you want all, you know, kind of you want to be firing on all cylinders. You want the best team possible. The coach does. This changes things. And a couple days out, you're going into training. You know, there's this thing that's lingering, which is like, this has been the perfect season, the perfect season to beat this team, to eliminate this conversation about a dynasty, to really, really have your best team. Because they they went a long stretch without their best players, had them back for the playoffs, and now made this run. They were the best team early on in the season. Now they come back, and now they're playing against Seattle Sounders, who, uh, again... Have, uh, Diaz, Morris, and Lodero, the big three as they're being called, uh, right now. You know, uh, again, I, I, I said this before in our last taping. I liken them to the Atalanta attack in the sense that there's so many goals and assists. And again, before anybody in the comments or, or, you know, decides to destroy me saying those are MLS assists, those are hockey, they don't count. Yeah. Some of them I'm sure are,
3: but they, Diaz... do this. they do the same thing. I saw one where Harry Kane made a pass at midfield. Hingman's son dribbled. 50 yards and then buried one in the side netting and they gave an assist to Harry Kane. So I don't, I don't yeah. have time, I yeah. don't have time for I, that argument from the Euro snaps. I you don't know, it's funny. Time. I was, I
2: was going to, I was literally thinking about that because, uh, we were going to do this, this hit this week of like, oh, that counts as an assist because MLS actually would, wouldn't count that. That would, they would call that unassisted. I right. would believe if you went that far. So yeah. listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to give too much credit there, but look. 12 goals, 4 assists from Ruiz Diaz, Morris, 10 and 8, uh, Lodero, 7 and 10. It's it's an incredible attack, and that's a really dynamic attack, right? And when you talk about now you're making shifts as a Columbus team, where do you go? It was already going to be hard enough to stop these guys. Not only are they individually creating special moments, but their connection between the two of uh, – uh looks like – I think it's uh, – my count is terrible. 22 assists between them. I don't know how many went to each other, but, you know – if you shift too far over, you've got two other guys open and now you have, you know, they're, they're in sync and, and they're, and they're delivering when they're given opportunities in front of goal. And I just think that's a really hard thing to stop with a team that's obviously been to the big stage before with a team that's super comfortable and confident in, in, in MLS playoffs. And now in a final, they have this belief system again that, 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 uh, they're never out of games and that's a hard thing to, to, uh, train against to coach against because it's hard to beat a belief system that you know you go down one you're like ah we're still in this we just need one chance when you have players that can give that one chance that's really hard to prepare for because it's a it, 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 it's almost like a warrior type of mentality that you can't tactically set up against you just have to like you know try to do something different because they have that belief that's you can't put into words or or into context clearly why i'm umming and eyeing trying to explain it
0: especially in a final.
3: Yeah, so I want to jump in really quick because I think prior to Nagby and Pedro Santos going out, Columbus probably had a, a chance to win this game, and let's say if eight of their 11 players played to their potential. Now with those two guys out, I think you need all 11 to play probably their best game to really have a legitimate chance, and that's not usually likely, right? You're going to have some drop-off from some of the players. Uh, at some point, the, the, the game could be overwhelming. The pressure might be too much. And to, to, to Heath's point, I, there's just so much to like about the Seattle team and the fact that they haven't lost anybody, the fact that they know how to win in multiple ways, the fact that they've been in this moment before and their first MLS cup, they, they just had that grit. They grinded it out in Toronto. I was there. It was super cold and they found a way to win in penalties. Okay. And then the one I went, I was at the one last year as well when they won, they beat Toronto again. They went down a goal but found a way to come back and score three. Like, they've seen these situations. They've been there. They're relaxed when the pressure's on. They know how to cope with adversity. I don't know yet what this Columbus Crew team is going to be about, especially with this shock of, we just lost two of our best players. How are we going to survive? Now, they might have that grit. I know their manager does. I used to play with Caleb Porter. He is like grit times ten. You know, the guy is all about grit, enthusiasm, and passion, and getting into the tackles and making it difficult for the opponent. But at some point, if you lack that concentration, if you have that brief lapse, Seattle has players that can punish you for those half mistakes. And I think that's going to be the difference in this one. Say it's the same thing. And you got Zardes and and Zellerion who who can do the same, but it's just those two. The other guys don't really scare me. And I don't think they're going to really scare Seattle either. So this is a, this is a, God, what a, what a, what a death blow. I want to say for the. There is.
0: There is hope, though, Jimmy. There is hope. There, there is hope. I'll, I'll just, uh, you know, just in any crew fan listening, uh, if you go back to the tape, uh, to the Sardis interview, and I asked him, talk to me about working under Caleb Porter. And the thing that he said was, you know, what I love about him is the psychological aspect of this. I love the fact that, you know, uh, before or during training during the season, he, he tells us to really think about the mental aspect of this game. Ch- set goals for yourself write them down like try and overcome everything first here mentally before you can do anything physically that could be another thing and here's a question for you both he thought begin with you because we haven't talked about the proverbial 12th man here right the home crowd i'll 1500 of them the stadium the fact that this is possibly the poetic send-off Right? Uh, to, you know, what is, uh, the league's first ever soccer specific stadium? You know, that, that could maybe help them a little bit. No? Keith?
2: Uh, you know, <clears throat> sorry, uh, the, the, I'm not giving too much credit to that soccer specific stadium because it's built to have stages on it and things like that. Uh, there are better <laughs> stadiums. Talking- there are better specific stadiums now, but I will give them credit because it the first yeah. it was the first, you know. And uh, as as Taylor Twellman said in the in the U.S. game, uh, you always remember your first. So it's uh, I'll, I'll give you that. Look, I to put this into context, you know, and Jimmy and I have have uh, played in front of some uh, you know, smaller crowds before, some bigger crowds as well. Um. When you compare a big crowd to a small crowd, you go, man, this is a dead atmosphere. But when you can com- compare a small crowd to no crowd, it's a huge difference. We saw it in the Premier League. You could feel, and again, maybe it's just from from home viewing and just the aesthetic and everything that comes with watching a game from home could be different in the stadium. But it just brought a different level of energy, a different level of magnitude, of professionalism, of excitement. And again, you you, you can, if they're in sync you know, a, a thousand people can make a lot of noise. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in, in any sort of like, um, marches or protests or whatever, but a small groups t- together or united, again, they're going to be spread out and whatnot, but, uh, singing from wherever. If you can get that in sync, you can create a lot of noise. You know, I, one of the r- real quick, when I played in Denmark, a lot of the stadiums were like six to eight thousand seaters. But when, when you would put a couple thousand people in those small stadiums and, and, and they were in sync, it was loud. You still felt away from home. You still felt, uh, you know, uh, intimidated by, by noise. So a lot of that is about the collectiveness of it. But just to have fans versus no fans, I think is a huge boost, especially for the home team. And then on, on the flip side, going back to when MLS Cup was in, was in Columbus before. Portland brought a huge away contingency uh, and were really loud. And I would have expected that Seattle would have done the same in this one. So it would have been a really, really rocking atmosphere. Now all of that leans towards Columbus crew only, uh, just like the Dos Aceros in Columbus uh, trying to get only U.S. fans. So, look, I think, I think it's a huge advantage. Um, but, again, having not been in that situation of no fans, two fans, it's hard to say how much that advantage is.
3: Yeah, Jimmy? Yeah, so what I'm going to say really quick on your psychological standpoint – Columbus went from probably being the favorites because they're hosting the game and playing pretty well to get to this point to now being a heavy underdog. And I'm sure Caleb Porter will be playing that card quite a bit with his with his team as they visualize how they're going to perform on Saturday. But I would say uh, with regard to Heath's point, and I know he's got a couple of great stories about warming up uh, and fans being able to heckle you. I've got some as well. What I find interesting about this particular game and, and the fans coming back. I do think it does give a boost to Columbus. The fact that you have to perform when people are watching you outside of your team, it it takes a step away from that glorified preseason game to something a little bit more meaningful. And yes, you can say it's MLS Cup, but it doesn't have that maybe atmosphere that you would associate it uh, with it. And uh, on a personal level, I won MLS Cup at Columbus Crew Stadium. So it has a special place in my heart. My only Emily, you always, always remember your first, my <laughs> old, my old first and only. And, uh, I was there in 2005 when we beat Mexico 2-0 and, and qualified. Ralston scored, B scored, and Ralston came and, and gave me a hug on the sideline right after he scored. I mean, just amazing. I'd never seen Columbus Crew Stadium like that. It was so packed and they were selling standing only, uh, tickets too. It was just, I, like, man, I've played in this stadium I don't know how many times and it's never felt like this. I mean, the vibe was unbelievable. So very special stadium, and and I want to thank uh, the hunts for really kind of taking that first step and really building one because that really set the stage for everybody else. But that aside, I, I uh I do think that there's some familiarity. You know, I don't know if the players are gonna be expected to sleep in a hotel the night before or whatever they're doing, if they're to sleep at home. I don't know what Caleb prefers there, but but obviously. Being in your home city, you're going to still see support around the city. There's still going to be a nice vibe about it. Um, and so yeah, I think that does give them a little bit of a boost, but I don't know how much difference it's going to make. I just, Seattle's gone to Toronto and won an MLS cup. You know, they've, they've figured it out how to, how to go into a very tough atmosphere and an environment and get a result now without that many fans. I will say though. That when you have fifteen hundred fans in the stadium, and I'll have to admit, I've played in front of fifteen hundred fans in Columbus before when I was with Kansas City midweek. Nobody really wants to see the Wizards, unfortunately, but you can hear the fans better when there's not that many fans. Like absolutely, you no, know, and you're like, wait, did he just? Is that? Do he's talking about my mom? You know what I mean? You just like, what are you? And you can, and, and you can look and actually see who's yelling at you, which is kind of funny too. So it's kind of, I, I, I would, if any crew fans are listening, this is your prime opportunity to really stick it to Jordan Morris. If you ever had a beef with him. So, uh, that's just something to to keep in mind.
0: I think Heath has a great start. I I, I wouldn't call
2: it great. I'd call it more, uh, dramatic, but you know, to put it into context of when you have small, uh, audiences or small kind of a low attendance, um, looking at you, Chicago fire, the day after, uh, the day after I was released from, from, from the national team camp, uh, where they selected the, the final 23 from 30, uh, for the 2010 World Cup, I, I flew straight to Chicago from there and we were playing in Chicago. Obviously I was distraught. I'd, you know, I'd been crying for a couple of days at this point, just kind of woe is me, kind of having to go through, kind of work through this whole thing of, you know, putting, putting, you know, your whole life into something and it not necessarily working out at that point. So, I go to warm up to to go in at halftime or maybe sometime in the into the second half, but I go to warm up behind the goal in, in Chicago um, stadium behind it is like a bleacher section. That's a low, it's not connected to the rest of it. Um And again, soccer specific, but you know, kind of built for concerts, but we will give them <laughs> credit for now. And I remember warming up and there was a group of, it couldn't have been more than 10 or 15 people or whatever chanting U S reject, right? This is like fresh, right? This is like, You've face planted into the cement. You've got, you know, the, the wound is fresh. You know, all you're doing is putting bandages over it and, and reapplying bandages, you know, a little neosporin, but it's not getting better yet. And it's you know? still, yeah, it's still bleeding. Yeah. It's yeah. Still, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, it's still bleeding. In fact, you know, you're almost poking it a little bit. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm warming up back and forth and it's the closest I've ever come to having my Eric Cantona jump over, uh, like a signage board and just go full volley into somebody's chest or, or, you know, throw fists into somebody's face but yeah it was it was you know because of how scarce it was I could see after a few times who exactly was saying it and they were all (laughs) having a laugh at my expense and I would just look over you know they were less than 10 steps away from me uh maybe even you know fewer than that when I was jogging past them I just went up and back up and back and they were chanting U.S. reject and it got into my head and I definitely went in when I subbed in and was out of my game and, and that's obviously a special circumstance uh to, to to pry into somebody but it is an opportunity to leverage uh anything on anybody that you have and 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 get it out you know when you when you uh wrestling in mexico is one where people go to uh lucha libre to let out their frustrations and it's kind of like say anything you want just get it out you can say anything to the wrestlers that you want and it's kind of that like i mean keep it within the parameters of what's okay. But like, it's your chance to get in somebody's head. You talk about 12th man, like you can literally walk up to the edge of the stands and say something on any throw-in and any opportunity. And I promise they will hear every word you say, no matter how much they don't turn. So it's, it is a chance to, to, to bring that to life.
3: Yeah, I, I, I got one story too. This one was about Tony Mjolup. Guy played in two World Cups. Ton of experience. We're in Boston, played the New England Revolution. It's a midweek game, so again, the, the the crowd's a little bit more sparse than it would be on a weekend. And he goes to take a goal kick, and he puts the ball down. And Tony's, you know, he's a big dude. So when he starts to back up, somebody in the crowd goes beep, beep, <laughs> beep, like he's a big semi. And then when he went forward, they went. Pfft. You know how the, the semis do that? <laughs> and he was so rattled after the game. So we're at, we're at dinner and it was me, him and Joe Max Moore and we're just talking and he's telling this story about, he's just, he's super pissed and emotional about this. And he wouldn't let that at the time let it bother him though. It clearly did. And we and Joe Max were on the floor laughing. Like that is so clever. But because there was nobody in the stands, he could hear it. And then he was rattled the rest of the game. I was like, Tony Miola, you've played in two world cups, dude. Like that's hilarious. You should see that. It's hilarious. But uh. yeah, just, I think that there is a lot of power now in the smaller crowds to, 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 get into players heads.
0: Absolutely. Look what happened to David Beckham with Manchester United. And, uh, you know, after being with Victoria, you know, that like people can be very, very powerful. In a stadium. And I think even more so when you haven't experienced fans for a while and then they come back. I mean, you mentioned <laughs> Heath, the Premier League. Uh, look what happened in Anfield, uh, you know, when they faced Wolves. Like it was just one side of Anfield, but you could just hear it. And it's going to be a major thing, whether that impacts so much. To Seattle, well that's left to be told, but it will be very interesting. Very quickly, before we say goodbye, I want your final predictions. We've done this like five times now, but now Darlington Nagby out, Pedro Santos out. Can Caleb Porter's team rally up and do something magical? MLS Cup, Saturday night. Heath, what do you have for me?
2: I'm going I'm actually changing it. You know, my, my prediction oh. uh on the last one was uh two to one um with uh Seattle winning late I'm gonna I'm gonna change this to one zero Seattle uh in regulation and i I think that crew will be a little bit more defensively defensive minded I don't think they'll change their approach but I'm gonna go with a one zero um because Seattle doesn't care how they win and that's that's another thing that's hard to to play against is that they, they've never tried to approach this like let's play them off the pitch and win they're just like yeah. now, we got enough players. You give us the chances, we'll win and we'll 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 take it home. So I'm gonna go with one nil in regulation. I know that's boring, uh, but at least I'm changing my my you know I'm I'm adjusting to the circumstances and and going with one zero.
0: Yeah, Jimmy.
3: No, I like that a lot. Um, thinking it through, I went two one, but I thought that the Sounders were going to win an extra time. I thought it was going to be one one after ninety minutes, so I thought betting the draw was going to be the right play. I think Caleb Porter is going to have his guys looking for that counterattack punch at this point. They're going to try to lull Seattle into some false confidence and then try to bang, bang, bang. And maybe Zella Ryan or, or Zardis can hit him on something. Or, you know, Zella Ryan might score on a free kick. I think they're going to maybe try to draw maybe and bypass midfield a little bit because if they can't manage it, I mean, Roldan and, and, uh, in particular has been very good in the middle of midfield and they're very, just very well organized team. And the back four has been, been up for it as well for the most part. I don't know. I, I like the, I like the win of St- Sanders winning straight up in regulation now plus 140. I'm also looking at one where I could see that being 0-0 at half and then Sounders going to win the second half. That's plus 440, which I think is actually really good value. I just don't know. I, I, I said before when we started that both teams will score, but as we've kind of talked this out, I just don't know if Columbus is going to find a way to do it. I think this game is going to be pretty tight. Um and and I actually want to lean. I think both both Heath and I went with two one originally, but I might go one zero to Sounders as well.
0: Yeah, I'm I, I've gone back and forth so much, uh and even take more. The so. crew,
3: Louise,
2: take the crew. Right, let me, back down.
0: All right, listen. Here, here's here's what's happening. Okay, I had the crew. I even had the crew this morning. I, I just I'm so poetic and blind like that. And then um, AS uh, English, that uh, publication, has been asking me about my predictions all season in the playoffs, and this morning or last night, I w- I went with Seattle, but uh, listen, here's the problem. I do agree with Jimmy in terms that I think it'll be nil-nil at halftime because I think that uh, – just the, the, the mental aspect, the emotional aspect, uh, the, the unity aspect of this will push crew to make sure that Seattle doesn't do anything dangerous in the first 45 minutes. I think that the longer this game goes on, that will slowly die out. And Seattle's power ultimately just takes it. Um, I want to go with Columbus so badly. And I'm even going to give you extra time, Columbus. I'll say that you take them to extra time. But in the end, Seattle is just too much, I think. And Rudias will score. Both teams will score, and Seattle will win. And I'll put that money in, and I'll get my six hundred. Thank you very much.
2: Wow, I like that. I like that. At least, at least you're putting your money where your mouth is, because I was going to say you took them to extra time. Just take them all the way. You know. I just think like take Columbus can way. also
0: listen. I think Columbus can also do a thing here and try and find those uh, set piece situations. And if you give them something like a thirty five yarder, thirty yarder, I think Lucas Alayaran can really do something here. Uh I think they have to hope for that. Actually, I think Carew's best option is to slow the game down. Just like completely slow it down or disrupt which, the rhythm.
3: Which sucks because it went from a it, final that was gonna be pretty relatively wide open, I thought, to now the crew just have to sit back. I don't I don't blame them for doing that. But I don't think it's going to be maybe the, as aesthetically pleasing as we'd like to see.
0: No, and Seattle already, like you, like both of you said, like they don't care about rhythm. They just want to win and it doesn't matter to them. So that's why ultimately I think Seattle will win. So we have three Seattle no crew wins. Prove us wrong, Columbus. Let's see what they can do. Jimmy Conrad, final words before we say goodbye.
3: Best of luck to both teams. This has been a crazy 2020, and, and uh, for them to be still competing uh, says a lot to their character and, and what their clubs stand for. So the future is bright for both clubs, and, and best of luck to both of them.
0: Absolutely. Heath
2: Pierce. Yeah, I'm saying the same thing. Uh, best of luck. It's a, uh, you know, a really crazy year. These players have been through a lot, especially hearing, uh, Luis, you say that 20% have tested positive throughout the season is, it's a lot to go through both, uh, for players and their families and these types of things. So hopefully it, it, it all comes to, to, uh, ahead of a really exciting game and, and yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely. And before we say goodbye, let's do my favorite competition that I just made up right now. All right. I'm going to ask Heath and Jimmy to say Lucas and as fast as they can. Are we ready? Here we, go. First? Get that Here right, we go. go. Are we,
3: we, are we going right. against each other?
0: I just want to see who he says it better. Just Luke,
3: Lucas, Lucas Zelarayan.
0: I'm going to say one, two, three, and I want to see who says it faster. Ready? Okay, At the okay. same time. One, two, three. Lucas,
2: Lucas Zelarayan.
0: <laughs> I think Jimmy won that one.
2: No, no, no. Listen to this. Listen to this. Lucas right. Zelarayan.
0: <laughs> He's got the X. <laughs> Jimmy, how about you?
2: <laughs> no, the is, that it? is that, is that, is, is his, is his name Arabic, by the way? That's not a,
0: well, Lucas, you know,
2: it but, seems like a it seems like a a, a a middle eastern type of name, and I know it there's does, a lot, but of... it's celayaran,
0: so it's very very uh you know influenced, yes, by other cultures, yeah. I would imagine, just like any other South American. I am. All right, okay. ready, Jimmy? Yeah. Give me give me your best uh South American accent, Argentinian accent. Okay, Lucas celayaran.
3: Lucas Zela Rayon. <laughs> well, that's pretty oh, good. Let me do the let me do the
0: uh, Argentinian right, go, go ahead, Heath. We've
2: Dale, a- Lucas, oh.
3: Dale, <laughs> not Italian. Yeah. <laughs>
2: what, is, what do you what mean? I'm that? Argentinian now, you know? jay What is the, uh, uh I can't <laughs> say the second part of that. shit and, uh,
0: and on that note, we've lost 50% of our listeners, but <laughs> who cares? Jimmy Conrad, Heath Beers, thank you so much, guys. We will see you. On Sunday, when we recap all the action, including this game, uh, Madrid Derby, Manchester Derby, and so much more. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy the games. Thank you to Jesse Sardis, to Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. Uh Make sure that you follow us on Kegel Lasso Twitter. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. Leave a rating and review whenever you can. Enjoy the games. We'll see you next time.